Word for You is presented by Grace Point Church in Lakewood, Ohio. We are located at the intersection of Warren and Alger and welcome you to visit us in person or online at gracepointlakewood.com. That's G-R-A-C-E-P-O-I-N-T-E-L-A-K-E-W-O-O-D dot com. Listen to podcasts of sermons from our pastor, Mike Bartolone, and various guest pastors. You will see that grace is always the point, and you are always welcome. to talk today about, I was kind of funny this morning, I don't know how many remember Jeremiah Johnson, Jeremiah, Jeremiah this morning posted on Facebook, he says, how do you study for 12 hours, 15 hours for a sermon and all the stuff you put in it and then have to reduce it down to eight words for a title? He said, it's kind of difficult. I says, well, I told him, I said, it's all how you look at it. I said, I look at my title as my launching pad. You know, it, it helps me to try to stay more focused and <clears throat> not to go on so many rabbit trails like pastors like to do. And uh, just to stay focused on a topic, I said, but it's, you know, there's revelation in that. And when the Holy Spirit starts to move you, you, you know, you have to go with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, I don't know if you ever noticed that, but sometimes I do take off, off my notes. Or I do input something in my notes that wasn't there when I started. I've had people always say, can you send me, you know, email me your notes so I can have that teaching. I said, sure, I'll send it to you, but you're not going to get all the goodies. You're just going to get, you know, what I put on paper, you know, throughout the week. But today I want to talk about something really different. This is different. I'm going on a different pathway today. It's not going to be anything that would be my normal, normal teaching kind of thing. So... I say all that to say I did make a title, and the name of the title is, <clears throat> excuse me, Understanding the Gift of God About the Night. Say night. How I many know God created the day, and God created the night? Who created it? God, thank you. I mean, who created the flag, the rainbow flag? Who started, who, whose rainbow is it? It's God's. So the night is God's too. So there's a lot of people trying to take the night away and use it for evil means and ugly things. But, you know, I think we need to take the night back. Because I believe if we learn to fight our battles in the night, they're going to manifest in the day. <clears throat> and if you ever, <clears throat> if you study the life of Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus, when all the rest of the disciples were tired, they would go back to their places of rest Jesus went out to the mountains, and he talked to the Father. And I know missionaries, throughout my years, I know missionaries who for years when they would go to foreign countries, at night they would stay, stay awake in the country that they were you know, going to a minister, and they would pray at night, and they would declare at night, and they would decree at night. And that's what I want to talk about. It's time for us to pray like never before. I believe we're just fighting battles. Well, there's battles being fought. And I believe, I believe after you pray, you need to create your own declarations 
and you need to create your own decrees. I know, I mean, that's why I love that song, I Speak the Name of Jesus. One thing you could do is get all the different, go through the Bible and find out all the different names of Jesus. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. I have one book that has over 450 names in the Bible of Jesus that you could declare, that you could decree. And that's what I want to talk about today. What I, what I heard this week and what I'm hearing from several prophetic voices in our America concerning what is happening in our world, the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit is saying to his sons and daughters that we will begin to see unusual, say unusual, and unexpected things. A short definition for unusual is not normal. How many know nothing's normal today? You don't even have to go to your Bible and open it up to find that out. Just turn on the TV. Don't do that. Really, don't do that. Unusual, not common or ordinary or usual. Unexpected, not expected. Unforeseen or very surprising. At this time, we need to be prepared to look for things that are done in ways that are not normal. Are you okay with that? Throughout our Bibles, God did things in unusual ways to show that He is God and we are not. To show that He is God and we are not. God spoke at one point in the Bible through a donkey. A donkey. He spoke to a man who wasn't, wasn't able to listen any other way, but when he heard the donkey talk and he was listening. You know, maybe, maybe one of your, maybe your pet's going to start talking to you. Your dog or your cat. Or the squirrel that you hate in your yard or the chipmunk. I got chipmunks. I don't like them. And they eat everything. They eat, they eat my pansies. They think the pansies are delicacies. The more we put out, the more we eat. I says, Marie, maybe God just wants us to feed the chipmunks. Amen? And Jesus healed a man it says in the Bible, by putting mud on his eyes. And these are just a, a couple of unusual things. I mean, I've witnessed this in the 37 years of my ministry. That in that as Christians, we get so used to the, to the way things are done by God that we often think things are always done that way and then we miss the new thing that God is doing right now. God told me he's going to do things in unusual ways, in unexpected ways. The Pharisees missed the Messiah who was right in front of them because they did not expect him to come in that way. His ways, it says in the Bible, are not always our ways. You can look that up yourself in Isaiah 55, verses 9 through 11. But there are unusual and unexpected things that the Lord puts in our paths each day. Unusual. Make sure you're looking for them because he loves to speak to us in these ways. The more we are aware of them and expect them, the more we're going to be able to hear God speak to us. God's going to speak to you in unusual and unexpected ways. You might be reading something that you just bought on a, you know, on a package and it might have a message for you. That's just specifically for you. God can do that. Amen? But if you look for him, you will find him. Let's turn to the book of Acts. 
if you have your Bibles. Acts 19. You know I'm setting you up, right? <laughs> Acts 19, and it happened, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul have passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Let me stop right here and say this. There's a lot of churches in America that never hear about the Holy Spirit. And they don't even know what he's about. They don't even know what he does. They don't know that he has gifts or fruits and all the things that he has been given to the church. There's a lot of people. We can say these same things that Paul said to this young man. And then he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, verse 6, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. I don't see that much today in the church. I don't see much evidence. I just don't. Not even in Pentecostal churches. I just don't see it. And now the men were about 12 in all. And he went up into the synagogue and synagogue and spoke boldly for how many months? Three months reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. It doesn't sound like it was an easy task to deal with the religious leaders of the day. But when some were hardened and did not believe but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannius. In verse 10, And this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus both Jews and Greeks. Oh, boy, that was some missionary move. Amen? All of Asia at that time. Verse 11. Now God, say, now God worked unusual miracles. I just want to make sure that when I said God was going to do unusual and unexpected things, that I want you to know I didn't grab it out of the atmosphere and just throw it at you. I want you to see that God said that he worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs, how many know what a handkerchief is? It's that ugly thing that when somebody uses it, you never want them to open it. I, I, to the life of me, I can't understand why people would use it wrap it up and then put it in their pocket like they're saving it. Why would you save it? That's why they invented tissues, you know, for all of our Christian issues. So we can blow our nose and throw it where it belongs, in the trash. Just some of my little perks here, you know. Things I've learned over the years. In my, when I was growing up with my dad in my generation, handkerchiefs were real popular. Today, when you say to this generation, do you carry a handkerchief? They look at you like, what's that? What the heck is that? Where'd you get it? How do you get it? Where is it? 
But it says so that even handkerchiefs, chiefs, or aprons, or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the disease left them, and evil spirits went out of them. Listen, listen, listen. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body, from the body of Paul, to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So I'm just telling you, church, you need to start carrying some handkerchiefs and some aprons. And if somebody's sick, there you go. Glenn, you got one. Glenn's got one. Look at show it. Show it up there. We can all see. There it is. He's got one in his pocket. He's got one. Rich has got one. See that? We have them in the room. Kevin's got one. Kevin's waving his, too. I don't see any ladies. Any ladies got aprons? It says aprons. Did you ever read your Bible? It says it in here. Aprons. <laughs> Are you with me? This is why I don't like to do Facebook Live. I can't have fun. I can't act like this on Facebook Live. No, I can't. I can't. I'd be graded by Jack Hayford or somebody. <laughs> and then, then it says some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the, by, by, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. That's what people are trying to do today when growing their churches. They're trying to use the style of Rick Warren or some, some other great body of Christ that's a mega church and then try to bring it into their church, and it doesn't work. Look what happened to this poor fellow. And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on was leaped was leaped on them, overpowering them, and prevailed against them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. You better not mess with evil spirits unless you know who you are. See, listen, God's not gonna the whole world and the whole church world is waiting for God to tell them what to do. God's not gonna tell you what to do. He doesn't tell his sons and daughters what to do. He wants his sons and daughters to know who they are. And when they know who they are, they'll know exactly what to do. You know by your identity. When you know your identity, you don't need nobody to tell you what to do. You're going to do who you are. That's your identity. Amen? And verse... And this, this, this became known both to all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on all of them. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. We sang that song. I didn't tell Teresa. Did I tell you any of those songs to pick today? Not one song. Magnify. Magnify the Lord. Amen? Amen. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. And also many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. One piece of silver in that day was worth a day's wage. 
So if you want to know how much they were worth, a lot of money in that day. And so the word of the Lord grew and prevailed. So go back, okay, go back to verse 11. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Amen? Let me give you another scripture so you don't think I'm just, you know, pulling things out of the, out of the, out of the hat for you. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 28. How many know Isaiah is a great book? How many chapters in Isaiah? 66. How many, no, how many books in the Bible are there? 66. Easy to remember. If you ever want to know and you're, you forgot for some reason how many books are in the Bible, somebody asked you that question, just go to Isaiah and count the chapters. You can just say, 66, I know. I know. Amen? Isaiah 28, start in verse 5. We're going to bounce around here in this chapter. It says, In that day the Lord of hosts will be the crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to the remnant. You want to know who you are? You're the remnant. To the remnant of his people. For a spirit, for a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment. And the strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. Amen. And then go down to verse 10. For precept must be upon precept, and precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Verse 11, for with stammering lips and another tongues. Sounds like Isaiah was talking about speaking in tongues long before the new covenant was ever even written. I mean, all the, the early disciples, they didn't have the new covenant. They didn't have nothing like we have. They had this stuff. Probably didn't have much of this. They just moved completely by the Spirit. What would the church do if we took away their Bibles? They wouldn't know how. how what, what, what do I do today? What do I read? Where's my Bible? You've got to learn to walk in the Spirit. You've got to learn to live in the Spirit. Because when you live in the Spirit, He'll direct you. You're every step. And I'm not saying you don't want to... Want your Bible? Now don't go. Don't go say, Pastor Mike says we don't need a. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying some people lived without it, and still did fine. Amen. Did you ever think about that? It's true. It's true. You go look at the Bible. Everybody thinks America is like the oldest nation in the world. It's a baby. America is a little baby. Let's, let's just be honest about things here. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. Verse 12, to whom he said, this is the rest with which that you may cause the weary to rest. He's talking about grace. And this is the refreshing. Acts, 13, Acts 3.19 talks about times of refreshing. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little, little, that they might go and fall backward, be broken and snared and caught. Sounds like something tall where Jesus was in the garden and he was being arrested. And when they went after him, they fell backwards when he spoke to them. Amen. Are you with me? 
See, speaking forward about the new covenant, you can find in the old covenant. Because the new covenant is an everlasting covenant. Which Jesus would become the tester of the new covenant. You find that in Hebrews 9, verses 16 and 17. A true spirit covenant in which God's sons and daughters would speak in tongues, just like the song we sang today, I Speak Jesus. Amen? See, that Jesus, that name is powerful. And, in, and again in verse 28, 13, it, it is repeated, but the word of the Lord was to them. Sounds like a new phrase was included here about when Jesus was being arrested to be crucified. And then if you go down then to verse 16 of the same chapter, 28, it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation. And we, we can learn about all of that chief cornerstone where in Peter talks about us being the chief cornerstone. Amen? A tried stone, precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Powerful words. And now go down to verse 21. Go down to verse 21, Isaiah 28. For the Lord will rise us up at Mount Perizim, and he will be angry as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his awesome work, and bring to pass his act, his unusual act. Hey, listen, when God moves, what he did before, ain't doing again. If you're looking for God the same way he did what he did at Azusa, he's not going to do it. Azusa's gone. What he did at Pentecost in the book of Acts, it's gone. God is, behold, God is doing a new thing. And it's unusual. And it's unexpected. And if you let try to wrap your mind around it, it's going to be ugly. You're going to only recognize it in the Spirit. Look at verse 22. Verse 22 refers to those who, in verse 21, could not accept God doing un unusual things. Now, therefore, do not be mockers, lest your bonds be made strong. For I have heard from the Lord God of hosts a destruction determined even upon the whole earth. And that was back then. That is not now. That's not pertaining to now. But that was simply, everything I've done up to this point was simply an appetizer. How many like to go out for appetizers? Sometimes that's all I go for. Because they're the cheapest on the menu. I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. And sometimes they're the best. Amen? You can't get pot stickers on the menu but you can get them in the, in the appetizer. Who's with me? <laughs> but I want to talk now, I want to go right to point one, understanding the gift of the night. In your Bible, nighttime is the time for activity of divine godly powers. I, I've learned this over the years. I've done a lot of praying in the night. For almost three and a half years, the only time I prayed was at night, for hours. Hours. And then when Mike Bickle came out with harp and bowl, so he was going to join, he was marrying praise and worship with prayer, I got excited. I said, now I don't have to, you know, grind 
to find out what I'm doing next. I can just praise and worship, and then we can pray at the same time. And that made it like a, you know, a marriage couple, and it worked real nice, especially when you had to pray for three hours or six hours during the night, from midnight to 6 a.m. Has anybody ever tried that before? I know it can be sometimes very grueling, but that's where the power is. That's where Jesus spent his time most of his life, in the night, in the night. It was at night when angels were sent to minister to God's children. In the night, the angels were sent. I mean, again, I'll ask you this question. Who created the night? Who? Can you say it louder? I can't hear you. Who? God. He created the night, right? Okay, now bear with me. This, my wife ain't going to like this topic, but I'm going there. Who created the sun? Huh? Who created the sun? If God created the sun, that's not S-O-N, the S-U-N. Don't get spiritual on me, Jack. Whenever you're in the airport, never say hi, Jack. Don't ever say hi to that man. They'll take you out. In a white coat. You never say hijack when you're in the plane. Not in America anymore. So if he's on the plane with you, give him another name. Say hi, Bill. Hi, Sam. <laughs> Who created the sun? God. The S-U-N. Amen. That's the, the, the light in the sky. Amen. So do you think if God created that entity, he, do you think he created it so that when you s- sit out in the sun, it would burn you? I'm just asking a question. Huh? No. But we've got millions of Americans that can't go outside and enjoy a, a sunny day unless they have sprayed on them all over their kids, all this chemicals, all this stuff that was created by man. And they have more confidence in the man and the science than in the God who created the sun. Now I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if you're going to believe this or not, but when I was fighting my diabetes and I had to go on an elimination diet that was given to me by the Cleveland Clinic... I had to change my diet, and it was extreme for an Italian. Extreme. Have you ever watched the elimination diet? I have it. It'll help you be different. After I was done with the elimination diet, I sat outside, Italian as I am, and I could get dark and never burn. Not one ounce of lotion that I, I put Oil on. Baby oil. Because I'm convinced what makes us burn in the sun is the food we eat. Because you're just one big glob of cells anyway. That's what you are. God created you to be a cell. Cells. Billions all over your body. And what we eat determines... I have a friend 
an Italian girl. Oh, no, she's not Italian. She's actually Polish. A Polish girl who wrote a book on how to stay well and sit in the sun and never get burned. Never, ever have to use spray or lotion or anything. And she said it has everything to do with your diet, what you eat. Eat the proper foods, you won't ever, ever burn. But we see, we've been sold a bill of goods by a thing called the one-eyed monster, the TV. That the only way it's safe to go outside with the thing that God created is to spray up. Up, spray up. <laughs> Are you okay? Okay, I didn't think so. I just had to put that in. That was my own thing. No condemnation in Christ Jesus. Just start eating better. Amen? How many are with me now? (laughs) I got to get this one. This is a good one. This is for you. It's free. This is why I don't do Facebook Live. Nutrition isn't about calorie counting, eating lettuce, or deprivation, depriving yourself from things. It's about assessing your personal deficiencies and learning how to truly nourish yourself. Eat better, not less. Eat better, not less. How many want the elimination? Raise your hand. (laughs) I'll send it to you. It's on my computer. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. I'll never be able to get through this sermon. Be quiet. (laughs) I'll be getting preached at today when I leave the place. I'll get another sermon. It won't be nothing like this one, though. Luke chapter 2. Remember what I said before I went on my little sun tangent. The angels of God are sent to you in the middle of the night. I'll prove it to you. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20. But now therefore, verse 8, Luke 2, 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. When? During the day? No, at night. And then the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be, for, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Say manger. Not Holiday Inn Express. Not the Hampton Inn. Hello. If you ever did research on where he was, you wouldn't want to even be there with your child. And suddenly, say suddenly, 
There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from then into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. How did he communicate it? How did God communicate to these shepherds in the middle of the night? What did he do? Sent angels. And what did they do? They talked. Say, angels talk. This is, this is angels 101. Angels talk. Huh? They do. They do. Who's ever had an angel talk to them before? Who's ever seen an angel? Who's ever seen a lots of angels? The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that God sends his angels to those who have obtained salvation. How many are saved? Some of you are not. You didn't raise your hand, so I'm not sure about you. Okay. All of those who have received salvation, God sends his angels to you as ministering spirits. The Bible also says that sometimes... We entertain them as strangers, not even knowing that they're angels. Did you ever have that experience, Marie Bartolome? Marie, are you here? <laughs> she don't want to talk now. She's got a testimony. She met an angel in a gas station, <clears throat> and he was a black man. Huh? All right, come on up here. She wants to say it. Yes, I, uh, I was longing for a child and um, weeping like Hannah every month and, um, of course, praying. We were on our way to Cleveland, Tennessee, driving. And in those days... <laughs> is how old we are nothing was opened on Sundays and it was a Sunday and our van it had a big Maranatha mural on it and um, one of the hoses went and her whole inside of our van became foggy smoky and we were in cornfields and we were wondering what in the world are we going to do out here when there's nothing opened, so we started to pray in tongues. And I'm not kidding. We drove with our heads out the window so we could see, and right down this road was a gas station, and guess what? It was opened. And now, I said, now, honey, how about them having the hose we need? So we stopped, and we said, Lord, please provide the hose we need. It'd be a miracle if they have the hose we need. So we pulled in, and he went inside, and I, I got out of my seat, passenger side, and to stretch my legs, and I was praying in the Spirit, and all of a sudden, this beautiful, I mean, 
not just handsome, beautiful man, three-piece suit, shining, just radiant, came by me, and he said to you, I have a message for you from the Lord. I knew he was an angel. I, I, I just knew it. I can't tell you how I knew it, but I knew it. And he said, unto you a son will be given. And I said, I received that. And I said, I must go. I said, wait, i got to go tell my husband. And he, he was gone. The, <laughs> not him, the angel. <laughs> and we had our little Carl Bart alone. And that was a prophetic word from the Lord sent to me. I mean, if I saw him today, I would recognize that angel. I don't know if he's my guardian angel. All I know is he was radiant and beautiful, and his word came to pass. Amen. Yep. Let's go to Acts 5. Acts 5. I love reading the book of Acts. It's got some exciting things in it. Amen? Acts 5, verse 12. It says, And through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all in one accord on Solomon's porch. Must have been a big porch. You know, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed highly, esteemed them highly, and bre- and the believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, so that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them and be healed. I mean, a shadow healing people is unusual. You don't see it happening today much around the place, do you? Wouldn't it be great if you can walk down the street and they would just lay the sick out all around you and you'd be laying in that sun that God created and you're you're not all sprayed up. You know, and you're just walking down the street and the shadow, your shadow heals the sick. Do you know you have that power? It's You have it. You have that same power. We just don't exercise it. We have to believe it and let it happen. And also a multitude gathered from surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing the sick people and those who were tormented with unclean spirits. And what what did the people with unclean spirits do? They got healed without a word being said. And then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were all filled with, "Oh, oh, this is the best thing that ever happened to our city. No. 
They were, they were filled with indignation, anger, and they wanted to destroy them. And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in what? what are they, where did they go for being such great people? Where did they go because their shadow healed the sick? Where did they take them? Common prison. But, say but, at night, when did it happen? At night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. And and the angel told them what to do. Angels talk. Angels talk. They just don't show up and stand there like a, a stiff, you know what I mean? Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the the prison to have them brought. They're already out. They had no idea. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we have found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. I don't know about you, church. I mean, we're a little church, but I'll tell you what. We could be little and mighty if we start believing what the Bible says and we start acting out what this word is about and what's inside of us the power of the living God inside of us. Amen? And things will change all over the place. Let's go to Acts 16. That's another one of my my wife's favorite passages. Acts 16, starting in verse 24. And having received such a charge... What charge? What did they charge for? For doing good and healing the sick. In those days, for doing good and healing the sick, you got put in prison. And if they could, they'd kill you. How many know that's what they did to Jesus? The Bible says Jesus went about doing good. Healing the sick. Praising the Lord. Doing everything good. And what did they want to do to Jesus? Get him out of the way. And having received such a charge, they put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Verse 25, Acts 16, 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were complaining. They were complaining and saying, "Eh, why did this happen to us? We were just doing God's will. Why should we be in here getting persecuted? Complaining. Why did... Paul write in, in Philippians 2.14, do all things without complaining and murmuring. Because that's what the church usually does when they're persecuted. They complain. But Paul and Silas were praying, it says, and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, verse 26 There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. You want to know the power of praise and worship? 
You just read it. You just read it. You want to? This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. And the keeper of the prison, awakened from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Don't! Do yourself no harm for we are all here. We were freed but we didn't leave. How, how about them? How about that? <clears throat> how many has ever read Ed Savalso's story of Argentina when he ministered in prisons, maximum security prisons all over Argentina, led thousands and thousands and thousands of men to Christ and told them, when you get saved, don't leave. We're going to get the rest of the prisoners saved. I can only minister to a few of you, but if all of us get together, we can minister to the whole prison. He opened prison doors. Thousands upon thousands got saved and never left the prison. True story. You can read it. Just look up Ed Savalso. He'll tell you all about it in his book. Amen? But, but, but Paul called with a loud voice. And then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved in your household. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just not for the sinner's prayer. I'm just for the believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And you will be saved. Just believe. What's the greatest work you can do? John 6, 29. Believe. Believe. I want everybody to get saved. How about you? It didn't Jesus say in the book of Peter that he's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to everlasting life? And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were with him in his house, and they took him to the same hour. They, and they took them the same hour of the night. Say they're still working here in the night. And washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. And now when he had brought them into the house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. Powerful. Amen? i got one more example for you in the book of Acts. Acts 27. I'm going to have to quit here and do some skipping around of some of the things I want to say before I close. But Acts 27. Twenty-three. For there stood by me, <clears throat> Paul's on a prison ship, facing execution, being taken to a place where they're going to kill him. And in the, middle, <clears throat> in the middle of the night, as he's praying, because they're in a terrible storm and the boat could crash at any moment, for the, he, and Paul goes to the captain of the ship and he says, For there stood by me this night, when was the angel there? At night. So how many are going to be looking for angels from today on at night in your house? They're with you. They're around you. They're in your house. Sometimes when you sit down at your dining room table, you probably sat on one. Didn't even know he was there. He goes, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. The angel, the angel. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Was I in your way? Huh? I should be in acting, right? You're all thinking, my wife thinks I'm a drama king. I didn't say queen. 
She said that to me today when we were making the bed together. I was on one side, she was on the other. She says, honey, you should be in drama. I won't even tell you what I was saying. <laughs> For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve. See, in the days of Jesus and the apostles, the concept of darkness <clears throat> was, you know, could be skewed. But the key to our views of the night have to change and come into alignment of God's views. We need to take back the night. Say, we need to take back the night. God will wake you up in the middle of the night. A lot of people get up and they say, I was, I was up and the clock said three, three, three. What does that mean? It means start praying. I won't even say the word. Start praying. <laughs> what I'm thinking. I want to say what I was thinking. They, everybody needs, what does four, four, four mean? What does three, three, three mean? I said, I don't care what it means. Just pray. Get up and pray and decree and declare. Everybody wants a sign. You've all been given a sign. It's called the cross. You don't need any other sign. Amen? And don't try reading into all that stuff. It'll drive you crazy. But they're just, they're just so much. I, I, I was going to talk about Nehemiah, but I don't have time for him tonight or today. But, but we need to decree and declare and pray. Somebody asked me, do I need special training for this? I said, no, it's not necessary. Just open your mouth. And declare Christ's name and watch the atmosphere over your life change. You know, there's a scripture that says open your mouth wide. There's a Bible scripture. It says open your mouth wide and the presence of God will come in. <laughs> Isaiah 26, 9, don't turn there. I'll just read, I'll read it for you. It says, with my soul I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me I will seek you early. We're going to skip this Mark one. It's a big one. But how many know when you plant seeds in a planter that when you plant them in there, they don't grow right away? How many ever planted a seed and said, well, 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 you planted it on a daytime hour, 8 o'clock in the morning, and you're looking at it. Ain't nothing happening. So you just forget about it. You go away. You fall asleep. You get up the next morning. Through the night, something happened. Because something in the night germinated the seed. And when you woke up the next morning, you had something coming up. See, God speaks about the night. In Psalm 74, verse 16, Psalm 74, verse 16, he says, The day is yours. And the night is yours also. It's time, church, we start finding out what the night is about. I really believe the Lord spoke to me very plainly today when I was just studying about this. Let's see if I could find where I wrote because I don't want to mess up what the Lord said. And I'm good at that. Battle in the night to win the battles of the day. Battle in the night to win the battles of the day. The night is God's gift to us to pray, to decree and declare. If you went to Job 35.10, it would say, 
He who gives songs to us in the night. Job 35.10, God gives songs to us in the night. God speaks in the night in Genesis 12.24, and the Lord appeared to him in the same night. He went to Isaac and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Everything I promised him is yours. I'm just, I'm just reader's digesting it right now, okay? I'm not giving you the whole thing. God speaks to his sons and daughters in dreams and visions. The Bible records that mysteries were revealed in the night. Daniel chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Daniel got his revelation of what to do when he was captured in, you know, in a foreign country in the middle of the night. So that when the next day came and he was summoned by the leader of the foreign country, he knew what to say to him. God gave him the answer in the middle of the night. In Acts 16.9, that same chapter we talked about earlier about what Paul did in Silas, but before that in Acts 16.9, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia, Ohio, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. I mean, Macedonia is in the Bible, but it's not Ohio. Just my joke. See, God knows the timing and purpose when and where to release the gospel of Jesus into a place. And it was evident that it was God's time and Paul was the man. This was Paul's Waterloo. Jesus captured his heart and sent him into his destiny. The Macedonian call is another vision invasion. Believe it or not, God is speaking to you as well. How many know there's four watches in the Bible? Not this kind of watch. Not an Apple watch. There, there are times of four times of three hours appointed to get up and pray. Nine to midnight, midnight to 3 a.m., 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., and 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Four watches. Is that important? You'll, if you read your Bible, you'll see why it's important. I'm going to give you that real quick here. Psalm 134, verse 1. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. A blessing is released over those who are called to minister in the night. Psalm 119, 148. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your word and your promises. So that's what it's all about. Let's see, I want to get you this one scripture. Luke 12, 37 and 38. It says, Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if, and if, and if Jesus should come, I mean, oh, Jesus is coming. We talked about it today in communion. And if he should come in the second watch, what's the second watch? Midnight to 3 a.m. What if Jesus decides to come in the night? Will you be ready? When you go to bed, the Bible says, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Are you going to bed angry at night? Are you ready? Are your, is your lamp prepared and ready? Or should it come in the third watch, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., and find them so blessed are those servants, it says. Because it was that Jesus may just come back in the night hours. And there's another scripture in Luke 17, 34. This is, I tell you that in the night there will be two people in one bed. The one will be taken and the other will be left. 
Will Jesus return that night? I don't know. It's possible. I'm not giving you a time. I'm just saying that's what the scriptures say. I'll tell you this. Watch and be ready. Have your bags packed and ready to go at any moment. Have your lamps filled with oil, which is the Holy Spirit, and don't be asleep spiritually because we could miss his return. And be, as I think his name was, Tim LaHaye, wrote a series of books, We Could Be Left Behind. I won't be. How about you? I'm ready. My bags are packed. So battle in the night. I like the worship team to come. Battle in the night to win the battles of the day. It's time for us to take back the night and pray, decree, declare. We'll be talking more about this in the future. I'm going to teach you, if I can, how to write out your decrees and your declarations so you can do it at home at night. Amen? And then we'll be equipped and be ready. Watch and be ready.
the uh, worship because it's so good, but it says, Romans 16.25, it's a benediction now to him who is able to establish according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, kept secret since the world began but now made manifest, and by their prophetic scriptures made known to all the nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.